Hello everyone, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bill, and welcome to Plain Market Talk, where I will provide a straightforward interpretation and analysis of current market news based on my background as a retired Wall Street stockbroker with almost 50 years of experience. And I will also provide business lessons to help you become much more successful with your personal finance, trading, and investments. So let's get started. Hey everyone, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bell. Welcome to Plain Market Talk. Okay, today is Friday, August 27, 2021. So what we're going to talk about today, we got the uh, stock markets at record highs. We're going to talk about inflation and the Federal Reserve. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, some continuing rumored issues with SPACs. Uh, we have literally a stock that is toast, so we'll talk about that. And today I'm going to begin what will be the first of a very extensive series of personal finance lessons, teach everyone how to be uh, financially successful. And today we're going to start out with the actual measures of wealth. Uh, there's actually five of them. So we got all of that. All right. So first of all, um, let's start with the Federal Reserve and inflation first. Inflation's been in the news quite a bit lately, inflation and continuous rise in prices. We had a key inflation report that came out today. Uh, you know, I've talked about this before. It, it is the one that the Federal Reserve uh, looks at, the Core Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index. I almost lost my breath on that one. Let me do it again. You ready? The Core Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index. We call it the PCE in the investment world. Uh, it, it's a measure of inflation. Uh, the Federal Reserve prefers to look at this over the Consumer Price Index. A, uh, a criticism of the consumer price index, as I mentioned you know, previously, um, is that it doesn't fully take into account the substitution effect. Uh, what that would mean is that if you're used to drinking coffee each day, the price goes up by a factor of 10 for coffee. It costs 10 times what it used to be. Many consumers will simply switch to tea, hot chocolate, or something else. And the uh, consumer price index doesn't fully take that into account where the personal, uh, the PCE, we'll call it, does. All right, so um, we've had some higher than usual inflation as the economy has you know, reopened uh, rather suddenly um, uh, over the last few months. So the numbers came in for the month of July. They show inflation's at an annualized rate of 3.6%. This is the highest monthly number we've seen since 1991. Uh, normally would have been a cause for alarm, but it was right where the market was expecting. And it actually matched the June number. Again, these are monthly numbers that are multiplied by 12. Uh, there's a little bit more to it, that's, but that's basically how it works. Come up with the annualized number. Um, the, the number for June was recently revised up uh, one-tenth of a percent. And that's a point I, I've made several times on previous sessions. Be careful with these economic reports. They're all preliminary. That's actually in their titles. And they are constantly being revised. It takes the government agencies that release these up to five years to, to finalize their numbers. So they're just signing off on the August 2016 numbers now as being final. So be aware of that. All right, the market didn't react too much to that. Uh, but what it did react to, the Federal Reserve is the central banking system of the United States. Answers to Congress. You know, I've mentioned in the previous sessions, it's told by Congress to do three things. Keep the economy growing as quickly as possible. Keep in everybody that wants a job, uh, make sure everybody that wants a job has one, and keep inflation under control. Problem is the first two go against the third. 
So when the Federal Reserve's main focus is on growing the economy and, and providing jobs, you know, uh, what it does, it, it increases the supply of money in circulation. The banks have more to lend. People spend. 70% of the consumer, uh, U.S. economy's consumer spending. And it also um, lowers interest rates, more affordable for people to buy homes, cars, and so forth. Problem is, if the Fed does that for too long, uh, what happens is it begins to bring back inflation. Once inflation enters an economy, it takes years to get it back out, and interest rates start going up. Financial institutions want to cover expected inflation. People don't want to invest. Businesses don't want to invest. Uh, stock market begins to go down. They don't want to invest because they don't know what the money's going to be worth in the future. People begin selling stocks and buying uh, what's known as bonds, loans to governments and corporations. And that decreases the value of, of individuals' retirement accounts. Creates a big issue. All right, so here's what the Federal Reserve has been doing. Since COVID hit in March of 2020, they've been pumping $120 billion a month into the economy. Uh, I've talked about that before. It's called quantitative easing. Now, it's not a matter of the Federal Reserve printing money and just sticking it out in the economy. The money would quickly lose its value if it did that. Uh, and that would, in itself would bring back inflation. Now, what the Federal Reserve has been doing, they've been buying government bonds off the market. So it's kind of like in a swap for the government. Their debt comes off the market, but more cash goes out. And they've also been buying what are known as mortgage-backed securities. You know, we've talked about that. Um, and also, they've been buying commercial paper, which are short-term loans to, to uh, corporations. All right. So the quantitative easing, as it's called... It has the effect of keeping interest rates very low. They're, they're at like some record record lows right now uh, for like the last 200 years. And they also, uh, it, it helps stimulate the economy by making just money more available. Banks can raise limits on credit cards, all kinds of stuff. And a lot of people tell me that they get a lot of mail, uh, all these companies offering them loans like for everything. And yeah, that's partly because of all this extra money out there. All right, well, the stock market, bond market, financial markets, they've all been looking now as to when the Federal Reserve will begin cutting back on this. That is called tapering, tapering off. And the Federal Reserve right now is uh, doing their annual symposium, as they call it. They usually have it in late August in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. That is where the presidents of the 12 Federal Reserve Banks meet with the Board of Governors and other officials to try to get a feel for what they should do going forward with the U.S. economy. The reason it's so difficult for them is they look at the same economic reports we do that are constantly being revised. And when the Federal Reserve makes a change to interest rates uh, or to money supply, they don't see the results for 9 to 18 months, see? So it's, it's amazing they actually do as good a job as they do. It'd be like trying to drive home, uh, drive home blindfolded, even if there's no one else on the road, you know, try doing that. That's kind of how the Fed does it. All right, here's the thing. So they did a virtual symposium th this time. And so what happened is Jerome Powell, the president of the Federal Reserve, he gave a speech at 10 o'clock this morning, 10 a.m. Eastern time. And I think he's still in Washington, actually. Uh, so what happened, the markets listened very carefully to see if he was giving any indication that the Fed might be doing a tapering off, which could lead to a decreased money supply and higher interest rates. And higher interest rates may begin to, people would begin to sell stocks to buy bonds as they offer relatively higher interest. All right. Well, originally it was thought that the tapering off quantitative easing, the tapering off of quantitative easing would begin in August. 
this month, but then that got pushed back because of the increase in COVID cases. There's still unemployment issues. Economy's not fully reopened yet. Uh, so what he said basically said the plan is to begin a tapering off by the end of the year, but they may not based on a lot of factors. So basically he played both sides of it. He said, we probably will begin to do some tapering off by the end of the year, but we may not also. Well, the stock market's like that. The market shot up on that news. It looks like they're not gonna do anything right now with interest rates and the money supply. And so we have the Standard & Poor's 500 index and the NASDAQ composite at record highs. And we have the Dow Jones Industrial Average at near record highs. Now, I will cover again, I mentioned several times I will, exactly what those things are, but they measure the stock market. All right, so that's what's going on there, market like that news. The other day, I gave some cautionaries about SPACs. That stands for Special Purpose Acquisition Company. What they are, they're companies that are formed they become publicly traded companies, raise money from investors through public stock offerings, but they don't actually do anything. What they do is they raise the money with the, arguing that what they can do then is then go out and buy other private companies and bring them into their SPACs and generate real financial returns. And you know what? Some of them are doing that. The problem I, I mentioned the other day, though, you got to be careful with something like this. This is blind faith. You're just assuming the people that are running these things uh, can actually make the correct acquisitions. Uh, you know, and, and there's so many of them now coming on the market. Uh, some of them, I, I have no doubt, will do well. Uh, they'll make good acquisitions, but others perhaps not. See. Since the 1930s, uh, there's been a very specific lengthy process for companies to go public where you're inviting the general public to become your owners now because there were a lot of abuses in the 1920s. That's what partly led to the stock market crash in 1929. Anyway, which, I, by the way, I'll do a lesson on that another day too. I, uh, when I started in the industry, I worked with brokers that were on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange when that thing happened, crash of 29. They told me all kinds of stuff that never has fully been made public, but that'll be for another day. All right, so here's the thing. I said, you gotta be careful with these because the first time you hear about one of these buying some company that ends up being fraudulent, investors lose their money, you're gonna have Congress jumping all over them, the Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, or you know, just any SPAC that might not be on the up and up. Well, apparently it's already happening. Uh, there's been, uh, Barron's just did an article about the brakes slamming on these things. There are rumors the SEC's already investigating several of them. They've been making some of them restate their financial numbers. Look, this isn't the right way you're supposed to be doing this. And whenever you hear about a company being forced to restate their financials, that is not good news. They're not being, it never comes out good for the company. Oh, the new numbers look better. Nope. Uh, but anyway, there's been some accusations that some of them might not be completely on the up and up, although most of them are. I, I don't want to give you the impression that all SPACs are bad. Uh, but there's probably going to be some increased regulation with these things, more transparency, uh, just lots of things. So keep an eye on SPACs uh, if you're interested. But there's still a lot of caution areas that I would advise you on that. All right. We used to have a saying in the brokerage industry that when you had really bad news on a company and investors were selling it off one after another, just selling it off, we used to say that stock is toast. All right, so that's the term. we I don't know if that term's really used much anymore, but we used to say that stock is toast. Well, guess what? 
We literally are about to have a stock that is toast. Toast is finally going public. So what do you mean, Bill? Toast is a company that it's a restaurant software company. Their, their actual name is Toast. And they announced today that they are going to be going public, looking to raise $100 million with an initial public stock offering, and that they will be trading. Uh, it says they're going to list their shares on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange with the symbol Toast, uh, T-O-S-T, sorry. Uh, that may or may not be right. Um, the reason New York Stock Exchange companies usually have one, two, or three letters in their symbol. NASDAQ stocks, electronic trading system have four, but there are exceptions. So uh, there's four letters, and they're saying New York Stock Exchange. So it, that could be true. All right. This is getting a lot, a lot of um, publicity. It's getting a lot of publicity. And so... I think you're going to hear a lot about this. And the reason I mentioned this, uh, DoorDash, symbol D-A-S-H, you know, that's that food delivery app. All right, but anyway, uh, they went public. If I remembered, it was December, and they, they came out at $102 a share and immediately shot up like 85%, like immediately. So investors remember that with DoorDash. And here's another company, as well, it's the restaurant industry, at least, uh, but they do software. But literally, we're going to have a stock that is toast. So uh, let's see what happens there with this one. So I'm not sure how long it's going to take to go public, but... Uh, uh, keep an eye on it. Uh, I know they've been losing money, though. I, I you know how, how I know that that stuff's becoming public now because as you as you begin to file to go public, you got to start releasing your financial numbers. And I just saw that earlier today. They they do lose money, but that could change. That could turn around. So we'll see what happens there. Okay, so got a stock is toast that is coming. All right. Um, on the last session, I wrapped up what I call module one of option contracts. Uh, basically, what are they, you know, fundamental, you know, terms, um, how to buy uh, call contracts, if you think stock's going to go up, how to buy put contracts, if they're going to go down, how to buy them both at the same time, a straddle. Uh, and I will return to module two, you know, sometime foreseeable future on option contracts. Uh, but I'm also going to be doing extensive coverage of personal finance. And I'm going to start with the very basics, and I'm going to teach anybody listening to these sessions everything you would ever need to know to be financially successful. We'll, we'll talk about um, you know what what is a stock exactly? Why do we call it stock? Where did they come from? They come from pirates and hurricanes, believe it or not. That led to the rise of stocks in the modern stock markets. It was actually pirates and hurricanes. I'll tell you that story. Uh, we'll talk about just, just all kinds of stuff, uh, different types of stocks, what you look for when you're investing in stocks, some trading strategies with stocks. I'll explain all the different orders, market, limit, fill or kill, immediate or cancel, um, special conditions, all or none, do not reduce, ex-dividend, uh, you name it, uh, I'll talk about them all. Uh, uh, we'll talk about stock trade, trade, uh, just investing strategies with stocks, uh, just all kinds of stuff. Talk about technical analysis, reading stock charts. Uh, we'll talk about bonds. I'll explain everything about the world of bonds to you. Mutual funds, exchange traded funds, uh, investing strategies, uh, the, the stuff that I was taught that allowed me to retire, you know, somewhat early. Uh, 
and I'll teach you all kinds of stuff, everything you need to know. We're going to talk about retirement accounts, uh, putting money away for uh, children, for education, college, or even other things, uh, insurance, uh, just a uh, proper way to do mortgages, just, just everything. So it's going to be very, very extensive. But to start out today, I want to talk about wealth, measures of wealth. See, I come from an industry, the financial industry, where people can be sometimes be obsessed with financial wealth. They will do anything to achieve financial wealth. And then once they become, as they consider rich, they're still not happy. I mean, some are really happy, believe me, believe me, some really are, but, but others are not. Uh, you know, I've also been involved in the entertainment industry uh, for years, and, and I've seen the same thing. You know, people become really rich, really famous, and they're still not happy. Well, the reason is they've only achieved one measure of wealth. That there's actually multiple measures of wealth. There's five general ones that I usually consider, but you could look at it other ways also. So today, for our last few minutes, I just want to talk about the five measures of wealth, uh, with financial wealth just being one of them. Okay. Uh, by the way, financial wealth in itself is measured multiple ways. Um, some people set a target goal. I want to have a million dollars in my brokerage account by a certain date or $5 million. Others say, no, financial wealth to me is just being able to live comfortably and not have any debt and to live a nice balanced lifestyle. And, you know, basically that's going to be financial wealth. I used to know a guy, he uh, inherited his grandmother's house at, near the beach here in Florida. And he inherited enough money where he didn't really have to work. And all he did, basically, uh, he used to, uh, he, he played drums. He was a drummer and he was a good surfer. He used to give surfing lessons and he was a lifeguard. But you know what? He said, Bill, I'm financially wealthy because I do what I want to do and I don't have to worry about things. So, and that's going to be different for everybody, financial wealth. All right, but anyway, but I will teach you. How the secrets, not really the secrets, they're not secrets, they're just strategies to achieve financial wealth. But that, that'll be an upcoming lesson. All right. So financial wealth is one measure of wealth, but ultimately possibly one of the least important. Here are the others. Uh, measure number two of wealth. Uh, here, here's another measure of wealth. is to living into old age and good health. See, it's a measure of wealth. Um, just living into old age in itself is a measure of wealth. That's a privilege that a lot of people don't actually ever get. But to live in old age and good health is another measure of wealth. Uh, Steve Jobs, God rest his soul, he died at the age of 56 from pancreatic cancer with a $7.5 billion net worth. I'm sure that he would have given probably all of his money away uh, in exchange for good health to see his kids grow up. See, so that's another measure of wealth, uh, living in old age and good health. Uh, another measure of wealth is to be well-respected by the people that you respect. Uh, not any of this, like I, one of my nephews does this sometimes, Uncle Bill, I demand respect. And I said, you know what, you earn respect. I mean, I demand respect, you, you earn respect. Um, but you know what, to be well-respected by the people that you respect. I'm sure you all know people like this. I've known people in my life, I still do. They don't have any great financial wealth, but they're good people. They do good things for people, and they are just a well-liked, well-respected person. All right, it's third measure of wealth. Uh, number four 
is to have a good uh, social network, whether that's family, friends, coworkers, any of the three, that's been shown to really contribute to emotional um, happiness and health. And even if by nature you're a loner, uh, that, that's something you can work on. You know, go 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 join something, uh, whether it's virtually uh, or or literally. You know, as the pandemic passes, get out and do things. You know, meet new people. So that that is another measure of wealth. Uh, you know, people that have good social networks. You know, fam not always family. Depend it could be friends, coworkers, all of the above. Um, and then a fifth measure of wealth is just to be happy with who you are and what you have. Um, there used to be a term called self-actualization. But I would just be happy with who you are and what you have. Now, I want to be clear on that. I'm not saying you're not always trying to improve or maybe even grow like your financial wealth over time. I'm not saying that. But be, instead of concentrating on what you don't have and what everybody else has, you know, concentrate a little bit more on um, what you do have. Believe me, it's not always as good as it looks on the other side. I, I, years and years ago, we used to do the financials for a lot of celebrities back in my broker days. I remembered a very, very, very famous celebrity, I'll leave their unnamed for their privacy, said to me once on the phone, Bill, I am one of the most famous people in the world, and I'm also one of the most lonely and yeah, see, uh, that can happen. Uh, but I'll give you a number. According to the World Bank, I think it's the World Bank, might be the International Monetary Fund, it's one of them. Uh, if you make more than $41,000 a year, for one, you're in the top 1% of all wage earners on earth. I don't know if you realize that, 41000 a year, top 1%. But you got to be careful with numbers like that, because a lot of countries, a lot of people have small businesses, they have self-sufficient farms, they don't really count with income. But anyway, those are five measures of wealth. That's what I want to finish with today. Financial wealth, uh, financial wealth, good health into old age, being well-respected by people you respect, good social network, be happy with what you have. Uh, but I'm not saying financial wealth is not important. Have all five. Somebody said to me once, Bill, would you rather be happy and poor or miserable and rich? I said, I'd rather be happy and rich. You can have both. And that's what I'm hoping will help all of you achieve. Okay, so that's it for today. Again, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bill. And we'll get back to it next time. Take care. See you, everybody.